I'm Robin Miller-Brecker. And I'm Karen Lenzer. Welcome to Seeking Center, the podcast. Join us each week as we have the conversations and weed through the spiritual and holistic clutter for you. We'll boil it down to what you need to know now. We're all about total wellness, which to us means building a healthy life on a physical, mental, and spiritual level. We'll talk to the trailblazers who will introduce you to the practices, products, and experiences that may be just what you need to hear about to transform your life. If you're listening to this, it's no accident. Think of this as your seeking center and your place to seek your center. And for the best wellness and spiritual practitioners, experts, products, experiences, and inspo, visit theseekingcenter.com. How do our soul contracts actually work? What is our relationship with spirit guides, angels, and deceased loved ones in this lifetime? And then what happens after? Karen and I were recently discussing this amongst ourselves, and we knew we had to bring in our dear friend and spiritual medium and intuitive extraordinaire, Lisa Nitzkin, who has been on our podcast on many occasions. Lisa has done thousands of readings to help people heal through their loss of loved ones. And with all this experience and these conversations with the other side, she's gained perspective and knowledge that will give us insight for living our lives to the fullest right now. Let's dig in. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Hi, Lisa. I can, I can only give you a virtual hug, but it's coming at you. It's so good to see you. I feel it. It's so good to see you too. I love that intro that Robin just read, because if you had any idea how often your name comes up when we have our coffee meetings in the morning, I wonder what Lisa would say. I wonder it's what so Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you. I'm grateful for that. You've opened the door for me in so many ways over these last six or seven years now, because you were really my teacher in all of this. You helped give me some very life-changing reading and it's just an honor and pleasure to call you one of my soul sisters. So this whole conversation came about because Karen and I were having this discussion about how we know people that are well into their 80s and 90s who have never really taken care of themselves. They have smoked, they have eaten whatever they want, never really thought about it, never worked out in their lives. And on top of all that, they're really not happy and never have been. And yet here they are, they're still going along. And then we know many people who have died tragically and they've done everything. They've done all the well-being things. They're taking care of their mental health as well. And yet they're gone. And so we were saying, does it even matter? And so that led us to talk about soul contract. And we have had Robert Schwartz on to talk about soul plants on your recommendation. Lisa, that's such a good call years ago to read his book. And then for those that are listening right now, definitely listen to that episode. It's so fascinating and what we believe to be true. And it just brought it all up for us again. So we wanted to talk to you about, first of all, what is a soul contract for those who don't know? <laughs> and so from there, and as to whether or not it matters. <laughs> I think that's a good starting point. Yeah, I love the topic of soul contracts. I believe a soul contract is a loose blueprint of our soul's journey when we incarnate on this earth plane. And usually what entails is your soul sets up an entire journey plan for you. And with that journey plan comes predestined events that you have already planned to help you grow, to help you evolve. Even your biggest nightmare situation can be part of your soul contract that you plan to help you learn something from that. So in terms of 
whether somebody is working out and thinking that they're going to live longer because they are doing that from an earthbound perspective, that very well could be. However, I really believe a lot of it has to do with the energy that you're putting into your life. We can live a life of high vibrational energy where we are working out and we feel good because we all know scientifically that releases endorphins. That makes you feel good when you work out. That does make you have a higher vibrational energy. When you're not working out and you're feeling low or you're feeling like you're not healthy in any way, if you don't feel good about that for yourself personally, you might start to feel in a low vibrational setting. And so you're presenting to the world and to yourself this low vibrational aspect. I believe even working out is part of your predestined plan, your soul contract. I also believe maybe sometimes being a lazy ass, <laughs> sitting on the couch can be part of a soul contract because you were learning something from both things. That's really what I believe is that each thing we do or don't do is part of our soul contract. So it matters based on your energy and how you want to present yourself, in my opinion. Does it make a difference with your exit plan? I honestly don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I honestly don't. I do believe a lot of us have predestined exit dates where we are going to pass. That is part of this whole contract. I also believe that some things are up to free will. And that's something mm-hmm. I'm still exploring. When you are giving people readings and you're hearing from their loved ones, do you hear, especially from the ones that were maybe felt more sudden, maybe they were younger in terms of their years. Does that come up? It was my time, things like that. Yes, I do hear that often when I do actually have younger ones who pass quickly, because what I hear is oftentimes they have fulfilled some purpose. While that's so difficult for my clients to hear and for me to even say, it is often a message I do hear is that sometimes we do sacrifice our own soul for the benefit of someone else's learning. For an example, my mom died at the age of 35. And she passed after having cancer and being in and out of cancer and 35, I was seven years old and it's very difficult. And I remember trying to understand the afterlife after my mom died and asking the questions about what has happened to her? Where is she? Why did this happen? And when I saw other mediums a long time ago, I did hear the same response, which is your mom and you had a soul contract together. And With that, she passed. And in order for you to learn all the things that you've learned in your life. Now, initially, I wanted to hit that person. (laughs) (laughs) I I really took a very long time to understand the, like now my mom is on the other side, actually working for my benefit and we work together. And I, so I do believe my mom sacrificed herself for the benefit of my learning from a soul level and my family's. Yeah learning. And that's a really good transition to the whole idea of soul family, right? Because we never come in alone. We come in with a group. A lot of times that group can be the same group from lifetime to lifetime because we have bonded so closely and learned so much through those years or through those relationships. Can you talk about that too? Lisa, what does a soul family mean to you? How do you define it? That is a great question. And again, this is all the world according to me. (laughs) which we love everything that they've explained to me, but with the soul contract, which is really cool is that I've learned that we actually also, when we're planning all of these events in our lives, we're also planning who we're going to incarnate with, (laughs) who become our soul family. So as we inherently have our family on this earth plane, they can also be part of our soul family, but also we have 
friends that can be part of our soul family. We can also have people that come in and out of our lives for a very short period of time. You know, that saying some people come into our lives for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And oftentimes those are a part of our soul family. They're the people that are helping to aid us in our best growth possible on our soul contract, on our soul journey. And sometimes our soul family can be our biggest pain in the asses. (laughs) And usually those are our greatest teachers. I always say that. So our soul family can often be people that we meet later in life so quickly, right? Yes. And yes. So you've had, you're like, why do I feel like I own you forever? Because you have. <laughs> and <laughs> you planned it. And what's so cool too is that soul family can also consist of teachers. People in your community. Yes. Yeah. And even somebody in the grocery store that gives you one message and you're like, wait, what? How did you know that? Or why did you say that today? And there's some random stranger. They're really not. Because they're telling you something familiar. And the reason is because you've already planned them to be in your on your journey to give you a message to help you grow in some way. So our soul family is really complex and it can be huge. It can be huge. Huge. Yeah. I love it when you can really recognize those people though, because you know they're mm-hmm. eliciting something in you, usually eliciting so many feelings, feelings of love, feelings of anger, <laughs> feelings of sadness, hope. Those are all people we have placed in our soul journey as our soul family members. So that's my definition. I love that. Rob and I talk about this a lot too, is that you recognize those people because of their energy. You are on that energetic frequency. You actually say out loud, oh, I love their energy or I love their vibe or whatever, because you really literally can feel it even before you know them very well. So I love to say that's the way I recognize my people because they're just immediately like you. I met the very first minute I met you. I always know that Robin's people are going to be my people, but I remember meeting you and just immediately recognizing that I just, I love that. Yeah. And I feel the same about you, but that's again, no coincidence. I always say that there is no, I know Robin knows this. Now you are going to know this. I hate the word coincidence. <laughs> and that goes <laughs> along with this old contract and there is no coincidence. It's all synchronistic events. It's just a matter of timing. When are we going to sync up with each other? And it's all divine timing when that happens. And we've also said too, what's interesting is that's why friends, even spouses, partners can come and go in your life too, because you are at a frequency energetically connected at a certain point in time to learn a lesson or to do the thing that you said you were going to come in to do. And then you do it and then it's time to move on to the next thing. So that high school friend who you might've been besties with, you're just not in sync anymore because you've moved on. Sometimes you out vibrate people and it doesn't make it wrong or right. It just is. And depending on where you are in your journey, that can happen, but it's all good. Even in their worst situation, if you could find the good in it, that's you're learning that lesson of it takes a long time. I'm not saying it, but each person in our soul group is usually triggering something to help. That's right. And I know Karen and I always say this, every person that has come into our world in the seeking center world is soul family. Right. Because Every single person are people that we can talk to forever. And so we're excited at some point because you all need to meet each other (laughs) because you're definitely all soul family. Yeah. It's pretty remarkable. I do believe also too, when you are getting in alignment with your soul contract, that vibration of the right people end up coming into your life to continue to help build on that energy. Yeah. And I love that we're talking about this because I think it's helping people become more aware of it. Think back in your life to those times where you can remember them. There's 
not that many that are like really significant in terms of what you remember, at least for me as when I was growing up or for me, it was like teens until then I became way more aware in my thirties. But like when I met my husband, I had this whisper and it was the weirdest thing I'd ever heard in my life. And I didn't know what the hell it was. I literally heard a voice that said this boy is going to play a major role in your life. I looked across the room and I saw this kid with a mullet and dimple. And I was like, are you sure? What does that mean? I didn't even know what that meant. But my point is they feel like almost like lightning bolt moments. Yes. And those are the times that again, I had no words for that. I had no idea what that was. He is a very important part of your soul family. Yeah. As are you. And as as Karen. It's that attraction, right? Like it's that attracted, that's the word is a deliberate word really, because there is that pay attention kind of moment. And I think it's also true, like you were saying before, Lisa, about the negative ones too. It's something to think about when you meet somebody and you're like, oh, I don't like, there's just something that pushes you away from them, but it's something to recognize because there's potentially a lesson right there. Like there's something for you to know in that experience. Always. Actually, oftentimes I think that are, those are the most profound people in our soul family because they can get us to where we need to be to evolve. And usually it does come from something challenging. I always now, after a long period of time of growth and trying to evolve and learning a lot of lessons, I am so grateful for those people who challenged me, who really, really challenged me. Well, and I I want to go back to, to what you were saying about the soul plan as well, because I think it brings up a good conversation around why some people do get overwhelmed and maybe decide it's too much for them. We've talked about my sister being one of them who I believe, and with conversations with you, Lisa, have affirmed for me that she just signed up for way too much stuff. Like it was just... It just got to be too many things on her plate and she just couldn't do it and did, I believe, inadvertently decide on a do-over. I just can't carry this weight any longer. Can you talk about some of those experiences and what you hear from deceased souls who've crossed over and what that experience feels like? Yeah, it's definitely, first of all, what I also know to be true, and I think it's important to say is that I get a lot of questions about if you do believe in self-help and God forbid, take your life. And the answer to that is absolutely not. There is no hell. And I back to your point, Karen, about signing up for so much. I do believe in our soul contract. We do sign up for challenging events to help us elicit something that's going to help us grow. For instance, if somebody was looking to put in their soul contract, they want to learn about more self-love, they might end up also putting down events in their contract that are going to be really challenging to that point where it would lead you in the direction of maybe taking your own life just too much. However, it can also tip the scales and you might actually evolve from that. There is no wrong or right though. I want to be clear in that. There is no wrong or right. It's just a matter of how your soul, how much your soul can take on this earth plane in this earthly body. And so when we set those experiences up, that might be so difficult, whether it be depression, anxiety, anything that elicits those things and all the events that come with it, we try really hard as human beings to work on that. I know we all do. And sometimes it can just be too much in this earth. 
And the sole contract that you might have, like my sister did that, I believe with my mom, was for my mom to then learn how to teach others how to manage the grief process. And that became her life's work. And she helped so many people as a result of that experience. So I believe that was a sole contract that the two of them had together. And that that she didn't necessarily come in believing or, or wanting to exit before her time. However, if that happened that would be a potential result that my mom had the choice to make or not make. She could have easily too taken a turn and gone down the depression route and not done that. But that was her opportunity in her life and her sole contract to decide if that was something that she was going to do. So it's just so amazing when you look at life this way to see all the potential opportunities that there are and how much love we must come in with for each other to be that bad person. Like I'll be the jerk because I love you. And I know you want to learn that lesson. It just makes you look at things so differently. It really does. And it's also very controversial. This is a very controversial topic. And it goes back to what we were talking about, like with my mom, I didn't want to hear that my mom died to sacrifice herself for the benefit of my learning. That didn't feel right. And it took me a long time. So just like you just said, Karen, I'm sure that was not an easy thing to understand. But what's so freeing too, is when you actually really understand it, you really get it. It is. So like you said, it's really extraordinary. Yeah. And I know for me as well, with my father who passed away, And it wasn't until when I reconnected with him through a spiritual medium when I was four, I still didn't understand at that point how on purpose everything was. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really until these last five years now that I can also communicate with him myself, but also with all these different, very validating experiences. It's we planned so much of this together so that I could be doing this work Mm -hmm. with you, with Karen, with all of the other people that continue to come into our lives. And not everybody, by the way, listening has to have those kinds of experiences to come to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Conclusion. And we have best friends who have lost children in in many different ways. Yes, that's right. They're the ones that actually helped me also just get more real with this understanding because they get it. That's right. (laughs) And if they get it, that's right. That just makes it really powerful. True. Yeah. The truth of the matter is you're the closest, I think, Lisa, (laughs) really being able to peer over through that curtain and see the other side. We don't know that, but I think as we always talk about, it's a choice of how we want to live our lives and what we choose to believe, as you said. But what we've seen for the parents in the grieving process, my mom, me included, the belief that this is all, it's a process. We've come down here in these bodies and we're doing our thing to learn. And there's no A plus that you get at the end of it. That's not the point. It's just that we have the courage to come down here and do it, do the thing. And we go back and those of us in our soul family are there on the other side to help continue to help us guide and get through the journey until we get back. And then we decide what we're going to do next. And we're we're never, ever alone. That's right. Yeah. No. And in addition to not being alone to, you know, what you just said to Karen about how we then go back and we plan together again about what are the next things. And we know too, and I know for those of you listening who have heard our other podcasts on past life regression and Mm -hmm. so forth, which is fascinating. We're going to be actually talking to Michelle Brock again in the next few weeks, we know the three of us have been in past lives together. So so to us, that's very validating in this conversation of talking about soul contracts to know that (laughs) we've done this many times and we're here in this incarnation to help 
amplify all of this for other humans right now. I just think everyone who's listening, who is on the journey and at least questioning, if you don't believe you're just questioning and you're curious about the something more and the other side, which leads me to ask you a little bit about when you are doing these readings. And I think for those who haven't experienced that yet, there are people that come in, deceased loved ones who you may not have been close with. And this goes to the soul family discussion that come in to give you guidance. Can you just speak to that for a moment? Yeah, it's exactly what we're talking about. I will give readings sometimes and somebody's great grandfather might come through that immediately the client will say, I didn't know him. (laughs) And I'm like, it doesn't matter because (laughs) we do have this soul group. Like we talked about that is just so large and vast and We have so many energies on the other side that are helping us on our journey. We do have our deceased loved ones and we have soul guides and spirit guides, which are also energies that are not related to us that are assigned to our soul also to help us on our journey. And there's so many different spirit energies. It's very complex, but deceased loved ones can range from not just our idiot that we know, they can be our ancestors who are really helping us be working through some generational trauma that they want to help us with. It's really fascinating when those energies in because they're always working for our highest good. Yeah. And I think people just would be surprised by that if they have never had a reading. And I know for me, there are certain relatives that I didn't know right in this lifetime. I know with my husband, same thing. And yet they are very much present in our daily lives. And I think to your point of, you know, that we're never alone. We want to have this conversation all about soul contracts and all of this. And to also just remind you that you are never alone, that you can be talking Even if you've not lost somebody very significant in your life, just talk to the energy around you because you have this whole team that's helping you every moment of every day. It's so true. It really takes a thought and an intention to bring those energies closer and the miracles that happen when you do and the possibilities of just realizations and awakenings and signs that you might see to help you move on to something to get clarity. It's tremendous to know you have that literally by a thought. Yes. (laughs) You have it by a thought. And I do this often. I will connect with as many people as I can on the other side that I know of and who I know I have connected as being my soul guides, my spirit guides, my mom, my uncle, my grandparents, my friends, children who have passed and friends who have passed. Anytime I'm looking for guidance on something specific, I might reach out to one of those specific people and they always deliver. Yeah. Always. Always. I agree. Always. I was just thinking about what is the difference when you do a reading between, I think I know that what deceased loved ones would feel like, but then recognize and how do you help the person that you're working with recognize the spirit guide versus the angel versus the, we all have heard of all of those presents that are around us that are with us, but how do you recognize them? And then how do you work with them? And how do you know the difference between them? That is a phenomenal question. Sometimes I don't always know, but actually today, right before I came here, I was doing a reading and I felt a different presence come through. I'm very audience, but I'm also clairvoyant, which means I can see through a lens that allows me to witness who is also coming through. So I just had a reading where an angel did come through (laughs) And, and I was like, oh my goodness. And that doesn't always happen. I often 
just connect with deceased loved ones. That seems to be more of who comes through, like the immediate ones. But today there was an angel. And the way I felt it was they presented themselves to me as looking like an angel. And I know that might sound strange, but I could feel the sense of this is nobody in relationship to people I'm talking to. And the difference too, is they were giving such bound information about their particular soul and what advice they might need to help them with their growth. It is a little different in the sense that when you're talking to a deceased loved one, they're really providing information and validating their personality and how they were in life and what kind of connection they had with the person I'm talking to. And they might tell you things that you did yesterday to let you know that they're really with you. And it's a different light energy. It's a different energy that I feel and sense. I've been doing this work for so long, so I have learned to understand it. So that really is the difference. I do know that spirit guides for me tend to come in with the angels. They just come in at a higher frequency. I feel a little different I feel a little bit like I'm buzzing. My ears start to ring a little bit more. And sometimes I visually can see that they look different. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. even when I was doing a reading for you, Karen, I was picking up on this Native American energy. And so it feels a little different. You can see it a little different. And it's just a channel to tune into to understand that. Yeah, I can see that. It's almost like you are an instrument that can channel in the deceased loved ones because that's usually the most important to that person being read, right? They really want to know. They want to connect. They want the validation, like you said. And so the spirit guides, the angels say, yeah, that's nice, right? <laughs> but you really, you really want to know that your loved ones are around you and that they're they're still there. That makes sense. Yeah, my clients today were thrilled though. It's also, it surprises me sometimes. I was going to ask too, can your deceased loved one be a spirit guide for you? (laughs) Yes. Again, this is a very complex topic. And again, this is something that I know and that they keep reminding me of anytime I tap into spirit. Yes. Our deceased loved ones can also be our spirit guides. I know my mom is one of my spirit guides. There's no question about that because she's helped me with my soul journey too. She's with me and loves me and is sending me signs, which is great too in itself. (laughs) But yes, we can have deceased loved ones that can be part of our spirit team, our spirit guides to help us with more of, I think, soul understanding and soul advice. Yeah, I feel that. I'm sure as a parent energy, you wouldn't want to leave your child. You would want to be their guide even if you couldn't be with them on earth or in the physical, you would want to stay with them throughout their lifetime to guide them. And that's the thing is they really don't leave no matter what, whether they're your spirit guide, they're all energy that's made up of love. And that's really the bottom line is that they really want the best for us. A lot of people ask me about, are they judging on the other side? Are they watching me? Because they come in with their personalities still intact, but What I've also learned is that we spend so much more time in self-review on the other side than judging the living. We look at how our life went. We look at our soul contract. Where did we not evolve on that branch that we were supposed to? I don't look at things as wrong or right at all. They just are. And with that, though, I often hear a lot of deceased loved ones will apologize for something that maybe they didn't do properly or they didn't see in this earth bound suit that they were hurting somebody. (laughs) And then they really see it on the other side. So I've also learned that they get to see our soul contracts and their soul contracts so clearly. And what happens is they spend so much more time on their self-review. So they really try and are trying to help living. And so when I say they're always with us, reach out to them, that is their job. 
That is literally their job. They want to help us and they want to also make up with their karma and mm-hmm. continue to grow in that way too. We It doesn't stop. It's it such a beautiful stop. way. And you know, it actually reminds me to bring up this idea that we live in this linear timeline. And so everything feels like it's taking a long time. But to energy, especially on the other side, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's insane. I don't really know, understand it, but you're right. And so to us, oh, you mean they're available 24-7? It's not to them, it doesn't, it's 24-7, but it doesn't feel like that. And so no asking is too great and no time is too bad. That probably is the one thing I hear so much from the deceased loved ones. The message is, please reach out to me. I'm always here. I'm always trying to show you I'm here. And sometimes we're missing the signs and sometimes we second guess the signs. They don't like that. And I say that with a great amount of love and it's not like they're angry about it, but they will do everything in their power to put a sign in your place for you to see it in some capacity. And if you don't, that's okay. They will go around a different way. and They will keep trying until it elicits something that will make you feel like they're with you. And then the more you honor it, the more you'll see. And then you become in flow with it side by side with, with them showing you the signs and guiding you. It's not only more enjoyable and exciting, you feel so much more protected when you can look at things that way and you can be aware of those signs. And the other thing I wanted to just point out is that if someone were to go for a reading and they were receiving messages through a spiritual medium and those messages were scary or weren't full, not to say that every reading is going to come with an apology from somebody, right. let's say, right. but if they are more very negative types of messages, should someone question that? The way I do my readings, I always say no message is a bad message because it's always supposed to help you in some way. With my work, the way I call in the information and the way that I work with every energy is that they can only give me messages for the highest good. When you say bad message or scary message, I think that's a good, I've never had that yeah. because it's not given to me that way. I don't, if I feel something's off, I will be honest about that. They don't always show me all the details of it because it's up to them to see what they can take from it. Meaning there have been a few times where I have seen a deceased loved one rubbing a client's belly for some reason. And I'm like, she's rubbing your belly. Well, I wonder, have you had any stomach aches lately or anything going on down there? And they're like, no, I, I haven't. And, and then I said, your mom's rubbing your belly and seeing that up, just if you feel funny or if it, you don't feel good, know that your mom is rubbing your belly. And then it might turn out that they end up having something that might be stomach cancer or something like that. And I know that sounds scary, but they will go back to that message of, oh, my mom was rubbing my belly. She's helping me. Yeah. She's helping me. Yeah. So right. it, that is their intent. They yeah. want you to know they actually also have the power to help. You know, yeah, definitely. And I guess what I also want to bring up are people who may receive readings where the person is maybe not authentic, mm. the reader. Oh, the reader. <laughs> the reader. And so they may be like giving them certain messages to either elicit for them to come. Yeah. Fear. If it causes fear and, or they say to you something like, if you want to know more, you're going to have to pay more. I just want to put that out there. That's a really good point. First of all, you have to be very discerning whenever you're tapping into energy and who you're doing it with. No matter if you're seeing a spiritual healer, a medium, psychic, tarot reader, it is so important that you as the person who's seeking that out feels like you connect with the person giving that information. 
And most and foremost, and I always say this, no matter what, who you see, your gut is always the most important. I could tell you a million things. I don't care. I'm hearing it. I will tell you and let it ferment and see how it feels for you. But I might say something that they may not agree with and that doesn't feel good. And that's okay. They need to go with their truth, their gut. So if they're going to see somebody who is saying, I can fix this for you. Yeah, exactly. I can heal you. They really do probably are, they're preying on the, that's the, the grief. grief. And, and so I just so want to just point that out. It's definitely important to be careful when you are dealing with individuals in this field who are fear mongering, because if they're really doing it from a place of high frequency, it is always going to be for your greatest good. Now, I'm not saying that bad things don't happen, but we consider them bad in our earthly brain. For instance, going through a divorce that might feel really bad and terrible, that feeling is there, but there's a reason for it. It's really important to look at the delivery of how people give it to you and how you feel comfortable and a low vibration of fear, which I don't like to operate. No, and you know, when you left a reading or a session of some sort of energetic session where you feel I've always, let's say just using you as an example, I've always felt comforted when I leave and same with other practitioners that we work with. And there are other practitioners who have not been on seeking center where I have called you after and been like, what the hell am I going to do? Because I'm freaking out. This doesn't feel good. Something's not right. And so it's paying attention to what makes you feel good. So it doesn't mean the messages make, like there may be some serious messages that come through, but it's still out of love and comfort. There's a difference between the fear versus love. Yeah. When that's, I always say, always, I start my sessions off by saying, I do this work for healing and healing alone. (laughs) That's really why I know I've been given this opportunity to give messages. So much of it is about healing. So yeah, I have an issue with people who will say that they can either fix the person or they are putting complete fear into somebody because then we're impressionable people. I hate it when people will live their life based on what somebody else says. I don't want anybody doing that with me. I just provide the messages and see if it resonates you. The other thing too, and I think we've talked about this in the past too, but for a new listener, even preparing for a reading to be able to go, because I know even when I go to this day, I get nervous. I get what am I going to hear? What are they going to know about me or not? There's so many moments of not being sure what to expect because every reader, every practitioner is a little bit different in the way they do their work. So what would you say, Lisa, is the best way for someone to prepare for a reading? That's another good question. Try and trust in the process. When somebody comes to see me, I give them a whole, what I call like a spiel of how it's going to go. So people do feel comforted. And they do feel safe even before we start because the unknown is so scary, right? It does. It makes you question everything. I would say just come with an open heart and open mind and trust that you're being taken care of. It's important to, for I think people who come in and see me specifically, to let them know they're in a safe environment. I I actually am pretty clear about that too at the beginning, that it's a safe space that we can talk about anything. You can be vulnerable. I encourage you to be your most authentic self because I'm going to give you my most authentic self. And that usually helps calm people is to let you know this is coming from a place of love. It is. I don't receive messages like you're going to die tomorrow or be in a car accident. I always say that because it's true. I don't. And that seems to help people with 
the nerves. And also if you're not coming to see me and you're going to do it with somebody else, just have trust and faith that you're being aligned with the right energy. Yeah. And I like to always tell people who are going to see you or another practitioner, write down an intention Mm -hmm. and who you would like to talk to and set that out in the world. So for instance, if I was going to have a spiritual medium reading, I would say, I want to hear from Robert Allen Miller. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll say to dad, show up on Wednesday, <laughs> whatever the date is at whatever time. And I do that. And then I will also write down questions. And these are not things that I would share with whomever's reading for me. So it wouldn't be like, I would send this to Lisa Pryor. This is just for me. And what I always find, and I've had many people take that advice, it is like magic. I will show a lot of times after the reading, especially with Lisa, I'll have printed it out for myself. And then after I'll be like, you answered every (laughs) one of those questions. She won't even realize she's doing that, but I didn't even have to end up asking things because spirit has heard me take the time and energetically put them out in the universe. And then they're magically answered. (laughs) I think that's a great point of setting intention and always the best way to connect, whether even if you're medium or doing it by yourself. I love that. So from all of the thousands of readings that you have done, what would you say are just a couple of the universal messages that you hear from spirit that can help us in our lives right now? It goes back to, I think what I said before is one of the major things that they say is please reach out to us. We are always here. Again, no asking is too great. No praying is too great. You can ask a million times a day. They always want us to know that they are there. So that is a really universal message that I get all the time. And again, that you're not alone. It goes back to that. And it seems to be coming more and more important for me to share with my clients, with the people that come to see me, that we need to continue to reach out and we need to bring them into our lives. And we need to ask them to show us that they're with us. You can be specific. What does you want to see from them and see the miracle that happens when you do see whatever sign that is. It's really important. So you know you're walking side by side with them and they're not really gone. They're just not Mm -hmm. gone. That's, I think, one of the most life-changing things that I know came for me when I first reconnected with my dad many years ago is that it changed my whole perspective on life and death. Because I think what's interesting that you brought up about when your mom passed away is that you were asking those questions. And I'm sure I was, but I wasn't getting any answers. And for me, that was from the time I was 12 until I was 34. I just thought you just died. And that was it. Majority of the world thinks that. Yeah. And so when you can actually see things, it's like going from black and white to color. It is. That Mm -hmm. is a perfect analogy. It changes everything. And for me too, in my life now, in the way that I talk to my daughter, my whole goal is to take away the fear of death. (laughs) Not that I'm wishing death upon myself or anyone to close in my life, but I don't fear it. I really don't. And we joke about it in my family here because they're like, we know if you die, you're going to come talk to us. So (laughs) you're never going anywhere. We get it. But it's, it's incredibly comforting. It lessens a lot of anxiety in life. I think it's the crux of a lot of our fears. Just death. Yes, it, I, right? I agree. At the bottom line, it always boils down to that. So it does make you go from black and white to color. There's probably that level of not surprise, but I guess remembrance, right? So when you do cross over, it's, oh, we don't really die. And so when you give an opportunity for somebody to have a reading, I'll never forget with mine, 
you're like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of people here. You just open this door and they all just want to dive in. Here, we're here. They want people to know that they're really there because they've had that opportunity to cross over and remember. And so that's why it's such an urgent message for them to be able to get that validation that they are still there. So I love that. Very true. Yeah. It's really powerful. It's crazy too, at the same, in the most beautiful way possible. And such a gift to be able to give people that experience. Like Robin said for her, it was so life-changing of not having that understanding that there was the possibility that her father was still there. And there was actually real purpose in when he left. He died really young and I now get it. I really do. Yeah. The why is always the hardest. Yeah, I agree. And I, I just feel like hopefully this conversation has helped certain people be more curious, mm-hmm. but also look at things differently. Start to ask for those signs. Start to ask for that guidance and help from your whole team. And also look at your life differently because you landed. it. <laughs> you <laughs> land it. Before you came here. And so even all those tribulations that you may be going through, they're really for your soul's benefit, even though that's really hard to understand, especially when things are painful. We know it. We've all, we've all had that in our lives, every one of us. And that's why it also goes to, I know in my Oprah world, we used to say everybody has a story and everybody has a story because we all planned it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that word, uh, thinking about that plan, like for people who might still be wrestling with, I didn't plan to get in that car accident and not be able to walk again. You may not have planned specifically that experience, but what you do in that soul contract is you plan, you want to learn a certain lesson. Like you said earlier, Lisa, I want to learn more self-love. I want to learn how to be more trustworthy. I want to learn how to be more selfless. I want to learn what real life is about, right? Like what this human experience is really for. And I just am thinking about people trying to make those translations between like, how would I have planned this? I think that's what we're trying to say is that we all come in with an intention to learn certain things through certain experiences. And those experiences can come about in in any manner of ways because we have free will to do whatever we want, whenever we want. And so the more to what you were saying, Robin, the more we can look at all of those experiences, the good ones too, the good ones too are teaching us. They're all there for that. It can be so hard to remember in the moment when we've got those really difficult people or really difficult experiences that are right in front of us. But if we can reach for just looking for where that could be teaching us something, at least it brings our frequency up hopefully a little bit more than than where it was before. I have one other question. This was back to our coffee that Robin and I had, and it kind of circles back to where we started. So to the point of us here in our life body and those that we see around us who may be hanging on for reasons that we don't understand. Like I go back to that Alzheimer's thing because I just find it so baffling or someone who has a serious illness and it's just super long, but it just seems to be going on longer than it needs to be. What do you think about those experiences and why we might be staying longer or seemingly longer in those bodies than we really need to be. To pinpoint Alzheimer's and dementia, just what I've learned with that specific situation, I have actually heard that the confusion looks really awful for us as people who are watching a loved one go through this. It's 
looks awful and you've heard it's awful. And what I've heard is actually part of us is already on the other side. And so we're constantly going in and out. So that's why it looks so confusing. But I've been told it's actually not as horrendous. Obviously, I don't know. You don't know. You don't know. But that is what I have been told that our souls are just moving in and out. That's really interesting. Make coming back. It really does. It actually really does. It looks like they're suffering. I've heard it a little differently. Again, what I've heard, it's not as tremendously painful for the person experiencing it. It's, again, almost another lesson for the people experiencing it versus... Yeah. Yeah. The people who are caretakers. Yeah. Because that's a soul contract. Yeah. As far as people living longer than maybe think that they should, but they're suffering or if they're in pain, that's a hard one. But what I do know too is, for instance, my grandfather, he was 99 and he should have in my eyes, in my family, that like should have left years ago. But we all came to the conclusion he's still trying to fulfill something. His soul is still trying to fulfill something. We may not know consciously what that is, but his soul mm-hmm. is still trying to fulfill something, whether for him or for somebody else, for the benefit again of the growth, whether it's for his soul or for somebody else that believe in this, which I do wholeheartedly. I have to believe that. I love that. It's one of those questions that we just all wrestle with. Robin and I, like, we love to come up with these really tough questions because it's always just validation of what do we really believe? It's just a good way to continue to ask those really difficult questions that are in our day-to-day experiences. Someone right now listening needs to hear that message. Mm -hmm. Yes, I know that's your belief and it may very well help somebody right now who is wrestling with either of those situations. Yeah, I often think of that in my journey, just when I felt like life is unbearable and didn't know if I was going to make it. I've had those points in all truth. And I had to keep reminding myself in the worst times. And I had my friends remind me, this is all for a reason. This is all for a reason. And I still wanted to punch them in the face. (laughs) But, But in those moments, my soul was hearing that. My soul was being reminded and I kept going. And being on the other side of hell, I know for me, I'm in unbelievable gratitude, like the insane amount of gratitude that I feel that in my own personal journey, just going through a lot, I am now on the other side of something where I can say I'm just full gratitude. And I now understand every single thing that happened. I know I was suffering mentally, not physically. And there is a difference, but any kind of suffering, if you can find the strength, the knowing that there's a reason for it. And even if you have to fake it till you make it, until you make it, you will make it. You will realize. No, that's going to help a lot of people who are asking tough questions right now. There's a lot to question. And I, I, listen, we know there's so much going on in our world right now. There's lots of people questioning all of this. Like why, yeah, why are like so many suffering and all of that? And it's not Pollyanna just looks just for a reason, no. but it really, at some point it's for that person's soul journey. This is for them in this lifetime. And it's, it's, it's really a, hard to see that. That's why I'm saying this is a very controversial. Yeah, it is. Not everyone's going to believe it. No. And, and that's okay. It is. This is our yeah, belief. Well, I, I think with every lifetime, hopefully we learn a little bit more. That's my belief. I hope so. And it's just great to share. This is what we do. We, we share the conversation. We share what we're learning, we're sharing what we believe right now that can always evolve and change as well based on these experiences that we have. We're just always reaching for what feels in our hearts and souls feels right. There is meaning in everything. 
no matter how old you live and what experience it is, you just can't see it really until you cross over what the impact is on the world, on your soul and your soul family. Just, you can't even measure it. Thank you so much for doing this with us. I just could not wait to have this conversation with you. It it gives us greater purpose. It validates those purposes for being. And it's that reminder too, that we're not alone. I think that's also in addition to the fact that we believe we planned all this. We also are not alone. We plan that with the knowing that we have really, you can't even imagine the the amount of energy and people around you at any given moment. And just remember that they're there and to call upon them. And thank you for bringing all of this into our lives in a way that we can understand it, Lisa, because that's a gift. In addition to your other abilities, the fact that you can translate it for us in a way that I know makes sense to Karen and I Mm -hmm. is such a gift. Thank you both so much for having me and letting me talk and giving me this time to share. And like I always say, this is the world according to Lisa. And I'm just grateful that we're all learning together. It's really a journey together with her. It is is really a journey together. With our soul, which you guys are. So thank you. Well, we love you. And we would highly recommend that you sign up for Lisa's newsletter to find out more about her upcoming reading dates at lisanitzkinmedium.com. That is L-I-S-A-N-I-T-Z-K-I-N-M-E-D-I-U-M.com. And we'll be doing several live virtual readings with Lisa through theseekingcenter.com in 2024. So sign up for our newsletter on theseekingcenter.com and be on the lookout. We love you. I love you guys. Thank you.